0: concept, a a single area to prep us for the nitty-gritty details, which we'll dive into next time. But a concept. I'm going to state it, and then we're going to backfill it today. Uh, Sometimes we give an inductive sermon where we build and build and build and finally come to a point. Today is deductive. I'm going to say it outright, and then we'll address it. And here's the statement. Do you believe this uh, or do you not believe this statement? In the church, in the church, that is for couples where the husband and wife are are both in the faith, in the church, the spiritual state of our lives as Christians directly impacts our marriages, either for good or for bad. Do you agree with that? Too much time. Yes, you better agree with that. That is, that is critical. I'm talking about folks who are believers. For, for those of us that are sitting here today, and some of us have our mate right beside us. Your, your, your mate is a believer, and you are a believer. The spiritual state of your lives individually directly impacts your marriage, be it negatively or positively. Would we want it any other way as God's people? Would we want it any other way? Would we want our marriage to be blessed and, wow, things are going great when our spiritual lives are not on that same track, would we? I, I think as God's people, knowing what we know and knowing what this life entails and, and is all about, the future, the plan, uh, the wonderful plan that God has, in, has for us, in store for us. Would we want it any other way, any other way at all? I will state this, even though this will not be the direction that we'll be going today, but I would like to to state a caveat. I realize that there are are some in the church who the mate is in the church and and has a mate who is not in the faith and not a a believer. We won't be addressing that, but as we know, there are passages like 1 Peter 3 that talk about how the, the believing mate, the example of the believing mate, has a tremendous impact on uh, the, the unbelieving maiden may be a way in which God uses to to bring that uh, person uh, to the faith. But we won't be dealing with that today, but, but that is that is a factor. And I don't want to uh, not mention that today because there are uh, there are folks in that situation and there are folks who are striving to set a, an incredibly positive scriptural way of life that, that they that they follow. Uh, as an example, uh, two, to their mate, and and they they do receive blessings for that. But I'm I'm talking to those today who are in the faith. Our marriages are a spiritual matter. The children we raise, if we are blessed with children, uh, if we are blessed to have children, the children that we raise, uh, these children are a spiritual matter. Our lives individually are a spiritual matter. Our lives signify... Our betrothal, or they reflect our betrothal to Christ, the groom, or, or our lives signify the lack thereof, to which that is the case. Our lives signify or reflect our being part of his body, a different analogy altogether, right? Uh, but they, they reflect that, uh, being a part of, of his body, the body of Christ, or the lack thereof. I'll state this, and and I think most of the ministers in this room uh, who have counseled couples in the church would agree with me on this statement. Most often, at the core of almost every marriage problem lies a spiritual issue dealing with one in the couple, uh, the other in the couple, or both. Almost always there is a spiritual issue at work, a, a, a spiritual area of of uh, going off or away from hitting the mark of what God's word and God's teachings teach us. What is the the state of our individual lives? What's the state of your life spiritually right now? What's the state of your life? What's the state of my life, spiritually speaking? Are we tangled up in some kind of uh, ongoing sin? where it's got a hold of us and, and, and we're, we're battling and losing that battle and, and giving ourselves over to that battle? Are we giving ourselves over in any way to what we would consider unhealthy thinking spiritually? Do we have any of those components where as, as we look at our lives, we, think we can say, really, you know what, I, I am not approaching this from the right kind of spiritually godly approach based on what I know to be in scripture? Is there a waning or a, or a total lack of relationship with God? What about our priorities? Are our priorities messed up or out of whack? Uh, Mr. Rothrock talked about in the opening prayer today, just the, the busyness of the world that God gives us this opportunity to rest from that, to, to focus, I was thinking about that, and thinking about our, our lives in general uh, throughout the week, as well as here on uh, God's holy Sabbath day, are our priorities out of whack spiritually, individually, our our our. Uh, uh, our, our lack of diligence or our, our lack of faithfulness to God? What about the way we treat and view others? Uh, do, we, do we live our lives as servants? You know, by this you'll know that they are my uh, disciples if they have love for, what, love for one another. If we really love God, uh, we will love our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, we, we had uh, an Ezo, uh, Growing Kids God's Way class this morning that, that talked about that. I think that's a uh, that approach is dead on. If, if Deuteronomy 6 is in place, the Shema, the love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, that, that is, when, when that is in place, what, what comes down from that and spreads out is a love of neighbor as self. And that love of neighbor, <laughs> one such neighbor, is the person sitting beside us today, uh, the, the spouse w- with whom we've chosen to dedicate our lives till, we, uh, till our dying breath. In love, are we doing all we can to support our spouse's relationship with God? We, we know. We, we know, do we not? We, we live with this person what is what would our spouses say about our individual relationship with god if they were to talk to us right now uh, to you individually what would they say about your relationship with god what would they what would uh, what would and vice versa what would they say about yours what would you say about theirs are we doing all we can to support our spouse's relationship with god what can we do that will help the other grow in this, this particular area of, 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 of spiritual growth. Do we talk about these things? Do we talk about these things as, as husbands and wives? Do we talk about the spiritual state of our lives? What are our battles? What are our strategies to, to what we're uh, striving to, to overcome? It's often called uh, the marriage chapter, uh, where it deals with the roles and the mandates of husbands and wives. Uh, but let's turn there, let's turn there as we deal with this single concept today. I don't think it's a, a foreign concept, I don't think it's a, a strange concept, I don't think it's an out there concept, it is a very, very basic concept, but it is a concept which we must as husbands and wives talk about uh, with each other. It's, it's a concept that, that's got to be at the forefront of our, of our lives as we exist. Uh, here in this life. But uh, when I look at uh, Ephesians 5 and we look at basically verses 22 through, through 33, we see these mandates that are placed in Scripture. Some uh, discuss verse 21 as maybe a, a bridge between the two. We'll, we'll get to that a bit later in the message today. But this, this whole uh, passage that Discusses uh, what we, how we are uh, to exist within the marriage covenant as husbands and wives. Let's read it. We re, we read it at, at at weddings, and we'll read it today. Uh, wives, verse two, chap, uh, twenty-two, verse uh, verse twenty-two, chapter five, Ephesians. Wives, submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Yes, a marriage between a man and his wife within within the church, as we understand it, based on the the writings that Paul is giving here to the brethren in Ephesians, uh, in, in Ephesus, it is a big, 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 big deal to God. Marriage is a big deal. But then we come and we just scratch the surface of it in the the last verses here but then we come to verse 32. Verse 32 says, "This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church." What what when I, when I read that and when I see that after I go through these passages, uh, and especially as he begins to touch on that in, in verses, uh, as he starts talking about Christ and Christ's relationship with the church, he comes to the, the concept of, in the church, we understand this great mystery. We understand this hidden truth, this hidden truth of this being a type of the relationship of Christ in the church. That is, that is the reality. That is the, the all-important uh, lesson of what, of what he's doing through marriage. Our marriages in the church should reflect this relationship, this relationship in which we are engaged as part of the church with Christ. How, how can, as, as brothers and sisters in the faith, those who have God's Holy Spirit, those who have God's Spirit working with them, those of us here who are believers, how can we expect to have a solid, a grounded, a marriage that, that fills these kinds of, of, of requirements unless This is the case, that that we are in this spiritual relationship with God, that we are in this spiritual relationship with Christ, that we recognize what is going on here. So speaking of point number one, in the church, the spiritual state of our individual lives as Christians directly impacts our marriages. And through reflecting on uh, this, this summation statement that he makes here in verse 32 about, about marriage, this, this great mystery that he says, that has helped me personally, Andy Burnett, uh, gain a better perspective of marriage. What do I mean by that? I mean this. In the past, and I tended to, to view uh, Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, I tended to view that more as a standalone kind of passage, I mean, I realize obviously all Scripture uh, is given by inspiration of God. It, it fits, but I tended to when I when I'm thinking about okay, marriage. Let's think about marriage. What are the roles in a marriage? Marriage. Here are the roles in marriage. Here's here's what the husband is to do. Here's what the wife is to do. That's true. That's true and right. But I tended to uh, not not flip that channel to the the greater package that that would be a slightly different way of viewing uh, Ephesians five twenty-two through 33, which is how I view that now. And, and this is how I, I, I now view the passage. Uh, it, it's a slight nuance of, of difference. But I view Ephesians five twenty-two through 33 as an illustration of, as a way in which to explain, as an example of, as a manifestation of, as a way of demonstrating, or even if I can go out on a limb on this, a a byproduct of the bigger picture. Marriage is is a manifestation of the bigger picture, the bigger reality, the the, the main objective, something much greater, something much greater that Paul is talking about in Ephesians. He says all that he says, and then in, in a sense he comes to, yeah, and for, for instance, let's talk about marriage. And for instance, let's talk about uh, how children should honor their parents and obey their parents in the Lord. Uh, as an expression of, of the spiritual state of our individual lives, let's talk about the way parents should, should deal with their children in not provoking them to wrath, the way servants should work with their masters, the way masters should work with their servants, because the masters are the Lord's slave and the servants are the Lord's free man. Uh, so he, he takes in and hits this as an example of a deeper, un, a deeper understanding and a deeper principle of all of what constitutes our spiritual state as Christians. So, what I've done in the past is look at these specific verses and says, okay, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, and they are things that we've got to do, but what we're going to do today is we're going to step back and look at the letter of Ephesians and look at it more from the standpoint of leading up to these verses that we see in Ephesians 5.22 through the early part of chapter 6 to see that Paul then takes the understanding of what we know as God's people and says, this is how this plays out. This is how it plays out in a marriage. This is how it plays out in, in parenting. This is how it plays out in the way we as children are growing up and learning what we learn uh, developmentally, how we interact with our parents, how bosses work with, uh, with, with those who work for them, how, how masters work with slaves and slaves with masters in the early part of chapter 6. When these spiritual areas... Uh, that we're about to read early in the earlier part of Ephesians, when these are, are when these rest securely in place in our lives spiritually, in, in, when they're prioritized, when they're sought after, when they're embraced, when they're loved and lived, uh, these, the components that we see in Ephesians 5, through 32, they manifest themselves. They, they, be, they, they are manifested in a marriage. And when they're not, when one's spiritual life is not as it, as it should be, one's spiritual life <laughs> suffers as does the marriage. It just is that way with two who are in the faith. Uh, it, it, it does. And again, would we want it any other way? So let's let's take these passages in that we'll look at, we'll take a look at here in the remaining portion of of the message. Uh, you can simply sit back if you're a sit back and listen kind of person to take this in. You can uh, read along with me if you'd like. Read along, jot down some notes. But but when as we read these passages, let's. Uh, think think not only about how they represent the basis of who we are, what we believe, how we think, what we think, and how we behave as, as Christians, but let's think about, as these descriptors make up who we are as Christians, let's think about how these passages and the degree to which they are present or lacking in our individual lives influence our marriage. Think about it from that perspective. I submit to you that as a Christian husband, and as a Christian wife, adhere to, to and embrace these principles, these, these principles that we're going to read, and Ephesians 2, 21, 22 through 33 type marriage results. It manifests itself. It, it's, it's an example of how all of these things in, in place uh, manifest themselves uh, in life, because it's the mystery. It's the hidden truth. It's the hidden truth concerning Christ in the church. Okay, with that said, let's go and look at some passages. We're going to uh, read the scriptures and give the sense today, and we're going to read quite a few scriptures in Ephesians, but you you may have, have looked at, at the book of Ephesians from this angle before? I have not so much. I see it more, I've, I've seen it more as, okay, we've got the armor of God, Ephesians 6. We've got the marriage, Ephesians 5. We've got unity, uh, church and unity, oneness, uh, one body, one faith, one Christ, Ephesians 4. Earlier part, all, all about uh, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 3, about Gentiles and, and Christians coming together, part of the household of God. Let, let, let's step back today and look at more what it's talking about, I I believe, the spiritual state in which we as God's people should dwell and, and recognize that we dwell, and we as the husband and the wife who's sitting beside each other right now, how we both understand and grasp these concepts, and this This drives everything that we are. It drives everything that we do in marriage. It drives everything that we do in parenting. And those of us who are are going to get married at some point, this will drive everything that we do as we move into marriage in our lives. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, speaking of the the plan to do this with some, and we are part of those first fruits with whom he's working now. He set up this plan from from way, way back, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined... uh, to adoption as vines talks about being put in the position as sons he's, he's put us in the position as sons according to the good pleasure of his will verse six to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved in him in 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 jesus christ we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom And prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, what his plan is for us, and according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one, this body, this body of Christ, gather together all of them uh, in one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That person sitting beside you, that person that is not sitting beside me right now, she's over there. I'm not going to look at her, but she's over there. Uh, We share that. You share that with that spouse. You share that with that person with whom you are one flesh. That is critical, that, that must be at the, at the foundation of, of everything that we do, that, that awareness, that realization, the preciousness of what God has given us as his people that we are able to share with this woman beside us or this man beside us uh, in, in, in our marriage. What a, what a tremendous blessing that we have. Just, just on that passage alone, think about how that relates to Ephesians 5.22 through 33. Think, think about the things that it, it's talking about, uh, what, what Christ did for us. We have redemption through his blood. He gave himself for us. Uh, the, the wonderful, wonderful plan uh, that, that he has in place for us uh, of eternal life. And to... Uh, Speak of what this relationship is between Christ and the church. Let's, uh, let's read on. We've got this guarantee. This person that is beside us has the guarantee, has the earnest, has the down payment of, of God's Holy Spirit. We are united in spirit with one another. Verse 15, therefore, Paul says, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and of your love for all the saints, I don't uh, cease to give thanks for you. I make mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, You, we have the opportunity as husband and wife to share that great, precious, precious understanding and to receive that mighty power that comes through his Holy Spirit. The same power that worked in Christ Jesus, this one who's far above all principalities. Look at verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. We, we have these precious promises we're united with our spouse beside us. We are connected to his body, the church, which is his body, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we, we have been so, so abundantly blessed as part of the church to have this relationship. And those of us who are married see that extension. We see that extension in our own lives as, as we are able to to have this relationship with this other individual who who recognizes the oneness of the body of Christ, whom we not only are one flesh as husband and wife, but we're part of the, the, the one flesh of the body of Jesus Christ who fills all in all. Chapter two, verse one. He made us alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. He gave us life. Verse 4, but God who's rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Jesus Christ loved the church. He gave himself for her. The husband loves the wife as his own flesh. God the Father, the one who is rich in mercy. God the Father has great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. We share that as husband and wife. We share that as a church. Look at uh, verse uh, nine. As he says, by grace we've been saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, this tremendous gift that he's given us. It's not something that we've earned by our works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10, but we, for we are his workmanship. We are his, his masterpiece. We are his artwork. We, we are uh, the product of, of, of his efforts. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them this is that uh, this is the the state of the person beside you this is the state of the person beside you you share this understanding together let's look at chapter 3 now uh, actually let's let's touch on the end of chapter 2 as he continues he's talking about how uh, there there was a separation uh, between Jews and, and Gentiles speaking about that, that wall, that c- wall constructed uh, by man there at the Temple Mount uh, to separate them, not something that was instituted of, of God. But God broke down that man-made separation that was there and uh, with the two uh, made peace. Let's look at uh, verse 16, chapter 2. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body, husband and wife are one body the church is one body we are as chapter 4 talks about one uh, connected through one body one spirit one god and father of all it's all this connection that is happening here through 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 him, we both have access, as it says in verse 18, by one spirit to the Father, so that we're no longer strangers and foreigners, fellow citizens with the saints. We are fellow citizens with the saints. We're members of the household of God. We are part of a single household. We've been built on the foundation of, of the apostles and prophets down through the years. Jesus Christ is there as the chief cornerstone who's fit this building together and growing it into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you are also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Yes, Ephesians 5:22 through32 gives us the mandates but we step back and we view it in the context and, and through the construct of what God is doing with us individually and, and how we are spiritually connected to that. Everything that we see in Ephesians 5:22, and through thirty-two flows flows from this understanding flows from this kind of relationship that each of us has individually with God. So we come back again and ask that question: What what would your spouse say about your spiritual state? What what would you say about your spouse's spiritual state? Are we as husbands and wives working together, are we attentive to the task at hand? Are we attentive to supporting and strengthening and bolstering and and, and assisting uh, this one with whom we are one flesh to to dwell in the household of God, to, to recognize the wonderful, wonderful blessing of what it is to be in that state with God? I submit to you that all these things in Ephesians 5 are, are manifestations of this understanding and this way of life that we already hold. Look at chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 9. He leads into this statement talking about one of the precious mysteries that, that had been revealed to Paul is that the Gentiles themselves were 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 part of the church; those who were spiritually circumcised uh, through the sacrifice of Christ and, and receiving God's Holy Spirit, uh, Gentiles and Jews, the these unsearchable riches of Christ. Verse nine, and and make all see what is the fellowship of the, the mystery, the the uh, the communion that we have with one another of this this hidden truth, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom the greatly diversified wisdom of this great god might be known by might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places some uh, often as they read this wonder if, if he may be maybe referring here to even even the the angelic realm being uh, being having it revealed to them the, the variegated, multifaceted wisdom of God and what he's doing with, with the people of God to bring them to this state. Verse 11, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord, in whom we have boldness uh, and access with confidence through faith in him. We, as a result, have that ability to, to connect with God in that way and come before God with, with great great confidence look at uh, look at chapter 4 so with that with that context he then, he then comes into the discussion of talking about the the oneness the connection that we all have with one another again marriage being a, a, another manifestation of the the oneness of of the church the oneness of the relationship that we have with god a way in which we can even greater experience and understand what the spiritual state is that we've we've been placed in through God in Christ. I beseech you, I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Are we doing that are based on this this incredibly precious truth that we 've been given, this incredibly precious state that in which God has placed us in relationship to him, are we then following through and walking worthy in, in the area that which we 're called? Yes, we battle, we struggle we, we have these these uh, these areas of our lives that we're we're striving to overcome, but are we engaged in that? Are we we walking worthy of that calling? Or are we treating it lightly? The degree to which we walk worthy of this this calling, recognizing the depth of what we've been given and, and the responsibility and accountability that comes with that, that plays out. That plays out in how we interact with our spouses. With all lowliness, with all gentleness, Wives, submit to your husbands. Chapter 5, verse 21, uh, submitting one to another in the fear uh, of the Lord. Ephesians 4, 2, continuing. That's my uh, just expounding from what lowliness is talking about. Gentleness. Husbands dwelling with their wives with understanding. Being gentle. uh, You know, all these things aspects of of what it is to be filled with God's spirit, to to have a spirit of gentleness as we work with uh, our our wives and help our wives and support our wives, uh, dwell with them with understanding, uh, the weaker vessel, attentive to her, uh, building her up, helping her, gently caring for her with great honor, giving honor to the wife. She is uh, to be highly honored, all, all mankind is to be honored, but our wives are to be given special honor as we interact with them, realizing that we're heirs together in the grace of life, realizing that this this greater reality is, 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 is in our lives now because of the spiritual state in which God has placed us with him. Endeavoring uh, to keep the, the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. It, we, are, we are part of one. We as husband and wife are one. We as the church are one. God the father is one God. He is the father Jesus Christ is the son. They are part of the God family. They are bringing us into the one family, the household of God. We're members of the household of God. And everything flows out from that, including the impact of, of, of the way we, we manage our marriages. Look now at verse 13. Verse 13. See the different roles of, of of uh, leadership within the church that's, that's for the building up of, of the saints, as uh, was talked about to some degree in the, in the first uh, s- split sermon, about uh, a format and, and different roles for different folks within the, the church uh, to, to bring us together. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ, Speaking the truth in love, verse 15, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head. We're all growing up into this, this one who is the head, Jesus Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. That causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. These are the foundational principles that, that go into a marriage. Which is the the, the man, man? All of these principles are manifested, are to be manifested, in our marriages, in the church. So he says all of this, and then we come down to uh, verse eighteen, eighteen and nineteen, verses eighteen and nineteen, when he begins to talk about some of the other things, some of the other things that can detract from that, that that steer away from this this concept, this this true concept of our marriages must reflect this relationship that we have with, with God and, and with Jesus Christ, this spiritual state of our individual lives. What is our, our state spiritually in our individual lives? He hits this really hard. He hits this really hard here in Ephesians 4 and 5. So we ask ourselves, we look at our lives, are, are, are these things in our, in, our, in our present day life or have we put these away? having their, their mind, verse 18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Folks who, being past feelings, given have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned, Christ. You can answer that. I can answer that in my own life. What, what lewdness exists in our lives? What what uncleanness exists in our lives? Is there any? Is there any to which we're allowing to, to, to cling to us? Or are we putting that out? How can we expect or how can we, we ask God to, to bless this marriage, which is a type of the relationship of God uh, of Christ with us as the church, if we are not committed to doing this? if we are compartmentalizing our lives and, and, and placing these things, whether it's some unhealthy spiritual thinking uh, and uh, as, as we see here, maybe anger is an issue. Maybe, maybe we're one who, who gets wrathful and who begins to seethe in, in anger and let that burn and, and kick in and get a little stronger and a little stronger without working through in love and gentleness to solve some of the situations. Is, is, it, is it that? Are, are, we, are we comfortable with that in our lives? Be you angry and sin not. Uh, it says here, don't let the sun go down your wrath. Don't give place to the devil speaking truth or speaking falsehood to our, to our, our neighbors, verse 25. Uh, the, verse 22 that talks about put off concerning our former conduct, the old uh, man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Are we allowing any of those in, in, in our lives, whatever those, those areas of covetous may be, uh, instead being renewed in the spirit of our minds? This is is critical. This is how we, uh, verse 24, we put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So this this is where everything stems from that kind of approach. Let's go to chapter 5, chapter 5 as we begin to uh, come to the close of this. So he says uh, to us, now here he hasn't gotten to this whole discussion of marriage yet, He's still, he's still in, the, in, the, in the whole construct of our recognizing the depth of, of who we are, the depth of our identities, the depth of, of who we are in, in our marriage, the husband and wife, both in this state. So, we see in verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, we're, as, as the child seeks to be like his or her parent. We, in our spiritual state, are, are, are striving to be imitators of this, of this God, just to be just like our Father in heaven, to walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. That's right out of what we read in in Ephesians 5, verse verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. This is our spiritual state. We are to love one another. Walk in this love. Fornication, uncleanness, covetousness. Let it not even be named among you. Is this fitting for saints? We We don't even name that among us. Any kind of filthiness any kind of foolish or coarse jesting, trash talking, the kind of trash talking of speaking trashy language to one another, that that kind of a a thing, coarse jesting. This is not fitting, but rather a giving of thanks. For we know, verse 5, you know that no fornicator, no unclean person, no covetous person. Person, a covetous person is an idolater, who has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. It, that's the bigger picture. Uh, so, so we, we don't don't let anybody deceive you with these empty words that are out there that that say, "Yo, oh, it's okay. We can we I can be who I am, and it's it's all good with God." Sing a couple of praise songs, and we got it all taken care of. Uh, no, it's it, let no one deceive you with these empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. That next holy day that we keep reminds us of that truism. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. So we come then to verse 16, uh, as he says, to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise. So we're to redeem the time because the days in which we live are evil Don't be unwise, but understand what the will of of the Lord is. And, And don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk with wine. It's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Do you battle alcohol? Do you battle drinking alcohol responsibly? Paul says, do not be drunk with wine. Ah, you know, just every three or four weeks or so, I kind of loosen up with the guys, uh, with the gals. We have a good time. I'm by myself. I just chill out and have a bottle of wine, maybe a bottle and a half, maybe 2.7 bottles, and just kind of ease into it. And yeah, I don't know what I'm thinking, and and it leads me into other thoughts, but that's just once in a great while. Don't be drunk with wine. As we we often say, I, I say this over and over, Commit to God, commit to him your desire to never, ever, ever be drunk. Ever. It, it is not the way of a Christian. We have been given such precious, wonderful blessings, an incredible life ahead of us. Uh, we desire to to experience the latter part of verse 18 we want to be filled with the spirit completely filled with God's spirit why would we want to tank up on 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 something that causes us not to focus on on the truths and, and the ways of God drunkards shall not be in the kingdom of God if you battle with alcohol get help get help Get help. It is not something that is conducive to being a part of of the body of Christ. It is not indicative of being a part of the household of God. What does the abuse of alcohol do to a marriage? You know, some of us have experienced that. We've seen the impact of that. Uh, These these are realities. These are things that, that we face. And we all battle different things. But brethren, if you battle this, if you've struggled with this, get help. Get help. God will help you. God will help you. He will strengthen you. And through that, it, it, it sends out its tentacles in a good way, overcoming that into every other aspect of our lives. God's people are, verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in doing so, seeing all that we understand, seeing all that we grasp, and, and the blessing of being a part of the household of God, we submit to one another in the fear of God. We submit to one another in the fear of God. To, to then go into the marriage discussion well, yeah, we submit to one another in the fear of God and wives to their husbands. That, that's part of it. That's part of the, the manifestation. That's part of the, the extension of the understanding of the spiritual state in which we find ourselves. When all these are in place in a Christian's life or all of these are being sought after diligently in a Christian's life and in the couple's lives, lives marriage serves as an example Of the spiritual state in which God has placed us. Marriage, then, our marriages serve as an illustration of the degree to which this way of life is manifested in our lives. To what degree does your marriage, does my marriage, reflect the way in which God's way of life is manifested? personally in my life. A Christian's marriage demonstrates the essence of the couple's character, doesn't it? Well, we'll deal with more of the nitty gritty next time, but in the meantime, if you're not doing so already, uh, talk with each other, husbands and wives, talk with each other about these kinds of concepts. Review the book of Ephesians and and take inventory, uh, a spiritual inventory viewing the, the marriage mandates found in Ephesians 5 as more of, of an expression, an expression of our character, an expression of the incredible blessings and the incredible state that God, in which God has placed us spiritually. I hope you have some good discussions.